You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Sarah Noel Block. She is from a company called Tiny Marketing and as the name suggests, Sarah specializes in smaller teams and helping them with content creation. So thank you so much, Sarah, for appearing on the show. And can you tell us a little bit about Tiny Marketing and what you do in your company? Yeah. So I started my career as a one-person marketing department and felt overwhelmed. <laughs> I was a one-person marketing department for a seven company group. And that's when I built out my framework that I use with my clients today. So what I do at Tiny Marketing is I walk them through this framework where we start off by creating a strategic story, which is just your initial marketing strategy, and then build out the foundations for you, what workflows, templates, messaging strategies that you need, and then move on to execution where we execute that content marketing in two-day intensives. Easy peasy. <laughs> so done for you marketing, basically. Yes. For a small company. That's great. So um, one interesting question that, I, that I'd like to know, like in terms of, you know, content creation, because this is something that's very personal to me as well. Um, so, you know, I started this podcast about, you know, two or three years ago, um, and I still have a hard time planning the content with my team. We we kind of sometimes we, we go into like droves of recording and then sometimes I record like once a week and so forth. So what's your best kind of advice for how to, you know, record without it getting overwhelming and to have enough content to fill, let's say a month or so? Yeah. So what I do is I batch everything. I have an air table with my content calendar in it and I can still move it around if something interesting comes up, but that's what I do. I have a regular cadence. My content goes on on a certain day, but I batch create it so I can just have it ready, schedule it out and don't have to worry about it. And that has worked really well for me because I... I'm also, I'm a solo entrepreneur and I don't have, I have to work on client content. I can't work on my marketing all the time. So For I just sure. allocate four hours every Monday morning to do all of my marketing and that's it. So four hour block blocked out every Monday morning to do content for one week or like what's the length of time? Yeah, for myself, I do my podcast that goes out for the week, I do it for a week. I do my email that goes out and then my LinkedIn content that goes out. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's still a sizable chunk. I'm, I'm at around three hours every two weeks is what I try to record. And then I'm just, sometimes I'm just out and about, and I just feel like recording some shorts because I had some kind of idea and I was like, Oh, let's just, you know, pull out my, my AirPods and, and record. So, um, when, when you say four hours, uh, per week, is it that you're recording a very specific question, but do you record long form content and chop it up or do you do long form and then do the short form on its own? This is a question that me and my team have all the time. Sometimes my, my, my social media manager is like, well, you know, Maria, when, when I take a piece from like a longer content, it kind of sounds off. It doesn't sound yeah. like a complete thought. 
And you're right. It's more effective when you do those shorts on their own as their own thing. But if you don't have time for that, which most of us don't have time to create bunches of stuff, I just use Opus and I'll drop my video in there and it will create the shorts for me. Or I'll use Descript and you can ask Descript's AI, what are the most interesting parts? And it'll highlight for me what should be shorts. So how has, you know, since you're mentioning AI, how has AI changed the game of what you're doing? I mean, you've been doing this for a while. So you've seen the shift now into AI (laughs) for, uh, you know, the last year or so. Has AI complicated things for you? No, Um, it makes it so much easier. Okay. Um, So I have worked in content marketing before it was even called content marketing. Okay. (laughs) Um, For 15 years. Wow. Uh, Back then we were calling it education-based marketing. But um, so AI lets me do everything faster. I think that people are going to be craving more human-led content, but AI lets you do it a million times faster. So podcasting is great because you're building relationships while you're podcasting. You're interviewing people. You're having direct conversations with the masses, the people that are listening to your podcast. And that matters. People are much more attracted to that and seeing these videos than they are to AI-driven articles that aren't really related. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I find that, you know, um, AI pictures is is an area that I'm, you know, I started uh, I started looking into and saying, you know, sometimes you just need a couple of pictures and so forth. You don't want to do your makeup. You're, you know, you're just like, oh, let me see, you know, if I can if I can get a few AI pictures. And I find that they look fake. And every everyone that I've tested, I'm like, that doesn't look like me. You know, like <laughs> I cannot, I can, you know, do that. Know. It just <laughs> what's feel real. Do you feel comfortable saying what service you used? Because I tried it too and I did not look like me. I know I used the voice one as well. Uh, 11 Labs, it was. 11 Hmm. Labs for the voice. So 11 Labs was uh, one that we tested with voice. Um, And to be honest, all the content I did over the summer uh, with 11 Labs just tanked. It was terrible. Um, I. It just, it, it wasn't, I don't know why. I don't know. Like we, we scripted it out similar. I, I don't do much scripting for my podcast. Obviously we're just talking. We have a couple of topic talking points and so forth, but I'm not going to like read a script when I'm talking to somebody or when I'm, I'm doing some content, but this was scripted out, obviously, you know, with me kind of trying to put my own zing into it and so forth. Yeah. Um, and when I read it, I was like, yeah, that sounds like something I would say. And then it was just, you know, uh, put into the, 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 you know, the AI voice. And I was like, uh, okay, let's try this out. And we tried two, three, four episodes. And I was like, okay, now we kind of put it on ice. Cause it was just not doing well. And I was like, I'm not going to be putting out content. I, I guess I'm just in the mind space. I don't want to put out content that I don't feel like I like very much or, you know, or just to kind of fill it up. So, you know, I just said, well, let's just take a two week break, uh, in the summer. Cause I'm taking a vacation and then we'll get back to it. Cause I don't want to have this content yeah. cause I don't like it. <laughs> So were you trying to save time because you were going on vacation or did you? Yeah, that it was just I was just crunched for time, you know, vacations coming and I was like, oh, I I need to record like four episodes and I don't have time uh, and I need to do my shorts and all that. So I was like, I have about time to do about two weeks of content and the other two weeks we'll try, uh, you know, AI stuff. And it was just 
I don't know, again, not, not super crazy about it, but for, for, for the pictures, I tried like a couple of apps. I can't remember all the names, but it was just, there's some apps that like, they, they put you like these crazy backdrops. Um, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they take off like 30 pounds from you. Um, they, they, they make your face look like a Kardashian. And I was like, um, you know, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to look like that in real life, but I don't. So, so Mine I don't think made it's me too look authentic. Older. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, good God. Do I have face dysmorphia or am I really that old looking? Is it maybe I, because they put too much makeup on you? Because I did find mm-hmm. somewhere like over makeup defying me like it was bad okay because i mean too much makeup actually sometimes has the reverse effect uh on women they just makes them look older because you you know you put too much and i think that some of the ais that's what they're doing they're just pounding your face with makeup but i mean i still think that we're in the infancy stage of this so will it get better i think it like I'm kind of in the mindset that within a year or two from now all these like kind of issues that we're noticing are going to be gone i don't know what do you think Yeah, for sure. Because I've been like, I'm a chronic beta tester. I will test every piece of tech I can get my hands on. And I was testing AI content years before ChatGPT. Oh, wow. And it has gotten so much better. It was like, you know, it, it passed with a lot of editing originally. And now it's getting closer and closer. So yeah, it's just going to keep getting better. But I still think that people crave that human connection. Okay. So like anytime that they feel like they are talking to you, the person, yeah, I think the content will just do better. Yeah. I mean, for me, at least I, it was proven that that's, that's what happened. So talking about, you know, not having time and trying to produce content and so forth. Um, I'm curious, like what, what are your rules or your best practices for repurposing? Like, can I take something that's meant for LinkedIn, put it onto Facebook? Like what are the, the kind of general rules of things that you should be doing to, to kind of maximize the utilization of content and repurposing? Yeah. So for myself, I have a rule of one channel. I'm only going to try and be an authority on one channel. So I'm not repurposing across across different social media channels because I don't have the energy or the time to engage on those channels. So I'm only going to spend the time on my one channel where I get my customers and build relationships there. But you can, you can repurpose across other channels. That's what social media automation is all about is here's my copy, put it everywhere. Um, But I have found that certain types of content do better on certain types of channels. So whatever is your core channel, focus there. Because like if you're fo- if you're on LinkedIn and that's your primary channel, like long text-based content does really well. Where if you're repurposing that onto Twitter, that's not going to go anywhere. There you need threads. Yes. And, and what, what channel, if you don't mind me asking, what channel is your main channel that you're using? 
LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay. So, yeah. so LinkedIn is kind of long form text-based so forth. What I found that works well on LinkedIn, because that's, that's a channel that I have uh, the, the widest audience, um, is when I take like kind of candid photos of myself and also put that kind of long form, uh, content. I don't know what it is. It, it's just random pictures of me, like kind of walking my dog or in the park or, or something like that. And, uh, and that, that does well. But when we do video clips and stuff like that, that doesn't work as well on LinkedIn. Yeah. You know, the algorithm always changes. Video was doing really, really well for a hot second. And okay. then the carousels, the slides that were on yes. everybody's LinkedIn posts for like all of 2023, those are over too. The only thing that I've seen that's pretty consistent is text-based. But yeah, I've heard that like the candid photos do do really well. And I think it all comes back to that human connection. Like she's a real person. Look at her walking her dog. I feel like I know her. Okay. Well, interesting. And do you find that, um, you know, like I get the impression that Facebook also has that kind of formula, but we haven't been able to, um, have the same results on Facebook that we do on LinkedIn. So we try the same thing on Facebook, put it on, like we have something on LinkedIn, it does well. We put the exact same thing on Facebook, crickets. like Different worlds. Yeah. Okay. Every channel is a different world. That's why I don't freaking bother with trying to be an authority on every channel. Um, yeah. On Facebook, like building communities and groups, that does really well. But your content, if you wanted to show up from your like company page, you need to boost it. You need to pay or only like less than 1% of your followers will actually see it. Oh yeah. Those company pages, they're, they're, Ghost towns. Yeah, we gave up on that. That's just like a waste of time. So talking about, you know, you work with small teams and so forth. Would you say you work with teams that are, you know, two people, five people, 10 people? What's, what's your kind of, uh, so the marketing department is usually zero to two people. Okay. So interesting. So, you know, that, that, that qualifies a lot of businesses in direct response. Um, you know, at direct Paynet, we work with a lot of direct response owners that, uh, that have, you know, businesses, five, 10 people, and they have one or two dedicated marketing, uh, resources. And these marketing resources, you know, are kind of responsible for a, a million things all at the same yeah. time. Uh, how do you feel about, you know, having one person, um, do a lot of different things in marketing? Because I mean, for me personally, I feel like somebody who might be a good copywriter might not necessarily be good at writing for social media or may not be good at writing, you know, scripts for podcasts and so forth. So how do you divide up, you know, you, you have to record content, you have to have some social media presence, you need some, some writing, blogging or, uh, sales letters or anything like that. How do you divide it up? Uh, so it could all make sense within a small team. So this is what I would do. If I were, I would have a marketing director, a strategist as the one person in the marketing department. And then I would hire contractors that specialize in all of the little pieces I need. And then bring in the internal subject matter experts to be the content creators. Train them to create the podcasts, the videos, and then have a video editor edit it for you. Then you're bringing, you're showcasing your in-house expertise without without burning yourself out. Like when you're a one person marketing department, it feels like you have to be everything, but you can't be, you're not going to be good at everything. 
For sure. So I would say be the strategy person and then hire all of the pieces and find your internal content creators. Do you feel like the business owner is the best person to be the the marketing strategist? Um, it depends, really. I have worked with a lot of businesses that don't have a marketing seat. So they get the owner gets stuck being that and they usually hate it and have no idea what to do. So if that's the case, I would bring in a marketing strategist or a marketing consultant to do the thing and help you figure out how to build those systems, outsource those different pieces so you can be in your visionary role and let the marketers do the marketing. Hmm. So what 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 kind of qualifications are you looking for in this person? Like what should this person know how to do or have experience in? If you're hiring in-house, like an, an in-house marketing director. Yes. Um, the biggest issue I've seen is hiring someone that's fresh out of school and they're real wet behind the ears, don't know what they're doing yet. So they're more of a task taker where like it's usually like the business owner handing down ideas of what they think will work to that marketer. And then they're just doing it and they're test they're doing it without testing or doing any research on it and strategy. So I would look for someone with a decent amount of experience who has managed external teams before, outsourced support before, and they know what they're doing within your specific niche. Okay. So you you mentioned something about, you know, uh, internal versus external resource. And obviously you're an external resource. You're somebody who, you know, uh, you know, maybe somebody listening can, can hire to kind of take care of that whole piece. So why would somebody look for an outsourced resource like you versus hiring somebody in-house to do the marketing? Well, usually it's because they don't know what they're doing yet and they're not ready to hire. Okay. I, I mean... I'm not going to say don't hire an internal marketing director because if you have the funds to be able to hire someone with the right experience, go right ahead. I would still have that marketing director hire external teams because you need to be agile with your projects. You need to be able to pivot and test and see what works. But the people that hire me, hire me because they're not ready to hire internally and they need someone who knows how to create a strategy, who knows the right questions to ask, who to talk to, to build out the right strategy, and then build a foundation for you. So you could eventually bring it in-house when you're ready. Okay. So is is content calendar something that's still popular now? I, you know, when we started the podcast, that was kind of like the buzzword. Everybody's like, do you have to have a content calendar? Content calendar. Is that, is that kind of the first step into no. creating? Okay. <laughs> See, that's how much I know about this. So Sarah, please tell me. <laughs> no. Educate uh, me. <laughs> yeah. The first step is building out your marketing strategy and your messaging strategy. Those pieces matter a lot more. You need to like you need to look at those business goals, your revenue goals and what's working now, how you're getting sales and build a strategy around that so you can manufacture those relationships and you can replicate how you 
got those great customers that you love. So that needs to come first. And then messaging. Messaging is how you talk about your offer. Um, What objections do people have and how can you address them? What's your client experience like? Can you explain it simply? So it seems so easy and like, of course, I'm going to work with you. Okay. (laughs) So creating that first and the messaging strategy is the perfect umbrella for the content and content calendar. So that would be like the third piece. (laughs) The third. So it sounds, it's interesting. It sounds almost like you have like a questionnaire that you give customers to kind of get to know them. So uh, I, at least for me, and it's something that I've been in business for 14 years. Uh, we've, I've grown the team uh, and we have, you know, people in the marketing department and so forth. Um, and it's still something that, you know, we struggle with and we change a lot is that the messaging, what works, what doesn't. Uh, and one thing I did realize recently is, um, and, and I'm wondering if, if you agree with this is we have, you know, one strategy that works well in bringing leads in. Um, and I feel like I'm creating very similar content about like different angles about this strategy. That's what um, you should be doing. And it, 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 to me, it gets boring. And this is something that I tell, <laughs> you know, uh, I talk about on the podcast is that to you, it's boring because you're kind of doing it all the time. Yeah, but you're in it. <laughs> there's you know, billions of people in the world. So you can imagine that somebody couldn't discover you and has never heard this. So that's how I try to keep it fresh. Do you, do you agree with that? Like, how do you, uh, when you find one kind of, I guess, call it like an avenue that works for you in terms of getting clients, do you like double down, triple down on that and just kind of keep creating repetitively (laughs) content? How do you keep it fresh then? How do you make it sound different or what do you do to make it sound Yeah, I've been doing this for 15 years and I can always find a new angle, a new story that happened, a customer conversation that I can bring in. It's really all about talking about those challenges that your customer is having and the just little, little pieces of it. Like this is the challenge and this is how you can solve it. And it works beautifully. The most effective efficient and inexpensive marketing strategies feel boring to you internally. Okay. <laughs> but they work. Oh, wow. So that means I'm on the right road. That's you good. Are. It sounds like it. <laughs> we have, we have, a, you know, Stripe is a very big uh, processor and, you know, a lot of our clients come to us because they have issues with Stripe and, you know, we have a ton of content with Stripe so much that, you know, there's people on the team uh, who are probably listening to this right now and who are like, Hey, you know, Maria, like, aren't we beating this stripe thing up a little bit? Like, aren't we like kind of over talking about it? I'm like, you know, and every probably 80% of leads that come in, uh, when we talk on the podcast and we have YouTube and social and so forth, it's always, I saw your stripe. I saw your stripe episode. I was like, well, keep it going working, guys. You know <laughs> I mean? If we still get leads for episodes that I did two years ago about this, I mean, you know, let's just keep going. So I'm happy that you, you reinforced, you reinforced yeah. what I, what I, because the first year that I had the podcast, I felt like I need to, needed to produce fresh new stuff, talk about something different, not repeat, not so forth. And then, Don't. okay, that's, that's, so would you say that like, in terms of like, let's say, for example, let's say that the Stripe content repurposing old content, bringing it back, making it fresh or re-recording. Yeah. I can see that what I would do is like that two-year-old one, there's probably stuff that's changed. I would re-reshoot it or 
yeah, do updated and add in some extra information in that description. But yeah, if it's working, keep going. The one thing that I do to make sure that things haven't evolved and I'm not talking about old news anymore is I, one, I talk to my customers and I ask them, what challenges are you going through right now? What does what success look like for you? What kind of transformation do you want to see? And that helps me come up with content. And every quarter, I survey my audience nonstop. It's like it's the same survey, but I'm like it's in my email signature. It's it's everywhere. Oh, nice. Asking them what content that they want to see. I have them vote on it and I just create a poll with the different ideas that I have. So they tell me exactly what they want. And oh, that that's makes, amazing. Yeah, that makes it a lot easier for me to know exactly what content will resonate because they're telling me already. <laughs> Oh, good. Well, does that does that work on LinkedIn? I'm curious, like doing polls and stuff like that. Yeah, I have. I ran my poll on LinkedIn, but I also ran it to my email list, and then I had it in my email signature. And yeah, I got a decent amount of people who responded to it. And because it was just a poll, it was one question less than a minute. Oh, people nice. were like, okay, okay. <laughs> I can do that. Nice. So you you mentioned a few things earlier about like carousels and, uh, you know, different kind of strategies that have died. So what are you seeing in 2024 kind of taking over on, you know, your favorite platform, LinkedIn? Yes. Collaborative articles mm. are really big on LinkedIn right now. Um, that's how you get your little badge of what you're an expert voice in is participating in those collaborative articles. And if you're not doing newsletters, newsletters on LinkedIn are great because LinkedIn promotes them for you. I put zero effort in getting people to sign up for my LinkedIn newsletter and I have over 4,000 people on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't touch it. LinkedIn <laughs> promoted it for me. So those two things are good. And audio only events, which I haven't done, but I've heard are doing really, really well. Okay. So audio only on LinkedIn, like little kind of snippets of audio. No, what it is, is if you start in a, you know how you can create an event on LinkedIn. Yeah. You can create one that's audio only. Oh, so okay. it's almost like clubhouse. Oh, okay. Before, before it, it went away. Yeah. Before, <laughs> before it stopped using it. Yeah. That's because clubhouse blew up so quickly that yeah. every other social media platform built their own version of it and we didn't need clubhouse anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So that's interesting. So like kind of inviting people to, to chat audio only, uh, like a mini kind of clubhouse on LinkedIn. That's interesting. So yeah, that's it's, like you pick a topic and you have to have guided points that you're going to talk about in case nobody raises their hand to jump up. Yeah. But yeah, they're doing really well. And how often do you do a newsletter on LinkedIn? Mm, I do mine every other week. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's a lot of, a lot of learning for me and my team. And I'm sure a lot of people are learning so much about this. This is super interesting. I love when people just kind of give us, thank you for sharing just really kind of things that we can use today, right? Like Good, this is something yeah. we can use today. I'm, I'm curious. Glad. I don't know how much you can tell us about your, um, you have a, a three-step formula. Uh, I don't know how proprietary it is. Um, and I'm hoping you can give us a little bit, you have an email welcome sequence. I hear, uh, 
that's a three-step formula. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how you kind of warm up, uh, you know, an email list that you might have just started? Yeah. So whenever somebody signs up for your email list, you should put them through a welcome sequence that just introduces them to the brand and who you are before they start getting the regular emails. So the first one should just be a free gift. Like, here's your thing. And it could be whatever your freebie is at the moment. It could be a lead magnet. It could be a replay of a workshop. Give them some sort of freebie in the first email as a thank you gift for signing up. And then in the next one, I like to do a virtual tour. These are all of the places you can find me. I'll introduce them to my podcast, my website, how they can work from me, work with me. And then the third one would be more of like a sales email. This is my offer and you know, blah, 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 blah. So you're moving them there and then telling them in the end, okay, this is the end of this sequence. We're going to move you into our normal newsletters where you can expect blah, blah, and blah. Okay. So that's interesting. So do you, is your goal on social really to get people to sign up to your email list? Is that kind of what a, a small business should be doing? My goal is to build relationships. So anytime I connect with someone on LinkedIn, I I try and get them on a one-to-one call, not to sell to them, but so I have an actual relationship with them. Okay. And so many of my LinkedIn followers have become friends, close friends that have become referral partners or have purchased from me, but completely unintentional. My my sole goal is to move our relationship from surface level to friendship. Oh, nice. Okay. So, I mean, talking about email lists, just, uh, you know, to kind of round things up, we spoke about social and so forth. What are your thoughts on, you know, there's Google's making a lot of changes um, for Gmail and how they're interpreting spam and social emails, promo emails and all that. Basically, Google's just trying to take over what's happening in your inbox and tell you what you need to read and not, um, you know, similar to some other stuff that Apple did last year with privacy and so forth. So how do you think that that, you know, whole email list is going to evolve? in 2024 and what are maybe some best tips to to make sure that you don't get uh, in the promo tab jail? Oh my gosh. Yes. So that's a good point. In the first email, you should also tell them how they can put you in their primary inbox in Gmail. Okay. So explain how to do that. I've seen that a lot actually. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a good reminder because you will end up in my promo and I won't see you at all. So giving direction on how to make you primary or how to whitelist you for a business email. And then making sure you're not using those spammy words. There's spammy words that are always a red flag and keeping those out like free or promo in your subject line is helpful. And then making sure that people actually signed up. So anybody who's unsubscribed should be out um, you can run your email list through zero bounce and it will clean up your email list for you. Oh, nice. So like, how about if somebody's just not engaging with you? Like how long do you keep them on your list? Mm, that's a good question. I just keep them on. I don't, I don't ever remove them, but I have moved them to like a, an unengaged segment where I will offer them the opportunity. Like if you don't find these emails important, 
um, or whatever, then you can unsubscribe here or hit reply to this email and I'll take you off. Okay. So that's one way to increase your open rate. But I usually keep them on because sometimes people who don't engage for like months at a time, start opening my emails again. So it doesn't hurt as long as they haven't spam, like marked you as spam. It doesn't hurt to keep them on. (laughs) So, I mean, the interesting thing here is there's, you know, uh, keeping people on your email list, you know, and, and, and trying to get them to engage. And the thing that I hear a lot from you kind of to summarize is that you need to build a brand. I think gone are the days of like throwing an ad on Facebook and not really, you know, having that personal touch or making the customer feel a relationship with you and so forth. So, um, you know, all these are very interesting points and I'm happy that you shared so much actionable stuff. Like I'm going to have my team kind of listen to this a couple of times and make sure that we, we action (laughs) all the stuff that you said on LinkedIn, because that's our, our favorite platform as well in terms of Mine. getting business and so forth. But, um, it, it, you know, Facebook, like I said, we tried to crack, but may, maybe it's going to be something in 2024 uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit more of. But uh, Facebook seems to me just to be the, the platform that there's a little bit more kind of direct selling. Uh, it seems to work still well. But uh, as we're kind of moving ahead, uh, you know, beyond the, the first part of the, the, the 2000s, uh, having a brand seems to be like extremely important, even for like a small company, right? Yeah. I think it's really about building community around your brand too. Be clear about your offer. And that's part of branding, but build community around there, build genuine relationships that is going to matter no matter what. Like HubSpot is a great example of that. It's a product, it's a SaaS, but they still have their user communities they have tons of opportunities to engage with them and participate with them. And that's something that we can all replicate in our own tiny way. Oh, interesting. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This was super interesting. And guys, um, we're going to have Sarah's information down below if you want to listen to her podcast or get in touch with Sarah. Uh, We'll have all the links down below. And don't forget to smash that subscribe button and leave us a review uh, so we can get more great content out to you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your time. Thank you. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once.